Act Five of Henry the Eighth by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of Henry the Eighth, Act Five. Scene One, London, a gallery in the palace. Enter Gardiner, Bishop of Winchester, a page with a torch before him, met by Lavelle. It's one o'clock, boy, is it not? It hath struck. These should be hours for necessities, not for delights. Times to repair our nature with comforting repose, and not for us to waste these times. Good hour of the night, Sir Thomas. Whither so late? Came you from the king, my lord? I did, Sir Thomas, and left him at Primero with the Duke of Suffolk. I must to him, too, before he goes to bed. I'll take my leave. Not yet, Sir Thomas Lovell. What's the matter? It seems you are in haste, and if there be no great offence belongs to it, give your friend some touch of your late business. Affairs that walk, as they say spirits do at midnight, have in them a wilder nature than the business that seeks dispatch by day. My lord, I love you, and durst commend a secret to your ear, much weightier than this work. The queen's in labour, they say, in great extremity, and feared she'll with the labour end. The fruit she goes with I pray for heartily, that it may find good time and live. But for the stock, Sir Thomas, I wish it grubbed up now. Methinks I could cry the amen, and yet my conscience says she's a good creature, and, sweet lady, does deserve our better wishes. But, sir, sir, hear me, Sir Thomas. You're a gentleman of mine own way. I know you wise, religious. And let me tell you, it will ne'er be well. Twill not, Sir Thomas Lovell, take it of me, till Cranmer, Cromwell, her two hands, and she sleep in their graves. Now, sir, you speak of two the most remarked in the kingdom. As for Cromwell, beside that of the jewel house is made master of the rolls, and the king's secretary. Further, sir, stands in the gap and trade of mo preferments, with which the time will load him. The archbishop is the king's hand and tongue, and who dare speak one syllable against him? Yes, yes, Sir Thomas, there are that dare, and I myself have ventured to speak my mind of him. And indeed this day, sir, I may tell it you, I think I have incensed the lords of the council that he is, for so I know he is, they know he is, a most arch-heretic, a pestilence that does infect the land, with which they, moved, have broken with the king, who hath so far given ear to our complaint, of his great grace and princely care, foreseeing those fell mischiefs our reasons laid before him, hath commanded to-morrow morning to the council board he be convented, He's a rank weed, Sir Thomas, and we must root him out. From your affairs I hinder you too long. Good night, Sir Thomas. Many good nights, my lord. I rest your servant. Exunt Gardiner and Page. Enter King Henry the Eighth and Suffolk. Charles, I will play no more to-night. My mind's not on't. You are too hard for me. Sir, I did never win of you before. But little, Charles nor shall not when my fancy's on my play. Now, Lovell, from the Queen, what is the news? 
I could not personally deliver to her what you commanded me, but by her woman I sent your message, who returned her thanks in the greatest humbleness, and desired your highness most heartily to pray for her. What seest thou, huh? To pray for her? What? Is she crying out? So said her woman, and that her sufferance made almost each pang a death. Alas, good lady! God safely quit her of her burden, and with gentle travail to the gladding of your highness with an air. Tis midnight, Charles, prithee to bed, and in thy prayers remember the estate of my poor queen. Leave me alone, for I must think of that which company would not be friendly to. I wish your highness a quiet night, and my good mistress will remember in my prayers. Charles, good night. Exit Suffolk. Enter Denny. Well, sir, what follows? Sir, I have brought my lord the archbishop, as you commanded me. Ah, Canterbury? I, my good lord. Tis true. Where is he, Denny? He attends your highness' pleasure. Exit Denny. Aside. This is about that which the bishop spake. I am happily come hither. Re-enter Denny with Cranmer. Avoid the gallery. Lavelle seems to stay. Ah, I have said, be gone. What? Exeunt Lavelle and Denny. Aside. I am fearful. Wherefore frowns he thus? Tis his aspect of terror. All's not well. How now, my lord, you desire to know wherefore I sent for you? Kneeling. It is my duty to attend your highness' pleasure. Pray you arise, my good and gracious lord of Canterbury. Come, you and I must walk a turn together. I have news to tell you. Come, come, give me your hand. Ah, my good lord, I grieve at what I speak, and am right sorry to repeat what follows. I have, and most unwillingly, of late heard many grievous, I do say, my lord, grievous complaints of you, which, being considered, have moved us and our counsel, that you shall this morning come before us, where I know you cannot with such freedom purge yourself, but that, till further trial in those charges, which will require your answer, you must take your patience to you, and be well contented to make your house our tower. You, a brother of us, it fits we thus proceed, or else no witness would come against you. Kneeling. I humbly thank your highness, and am right glad to catch this good occasion, most throughly to be winnowed, where my chaff and corn shall fly asunder, for I know there's none stands under more calumnious tongues than I myself, poor man. Stand up, good Canterbury, thy truth and thy integrity is rooted in us, thy friend. Give me thy hand, stand up. Prithee, let's walk. Now, by my holidam, what manner of man are you? My lord, I looked you would have given me your petition, that I should obtain some pains to bring together yourself and your accusers, and to have heard you without endurance further. Most dread leech, the good I stand on is my truth and honesty. If they shall fail, I with mine enemies will triumph for my person which I weigh not, being of those virtues vacant. 
i fear nothing what can be said against me know you not how your state stands in the world with the whole world your enemies are many and not small their practices must bear the same proportion and not ever the justice and the truth of the question carries the due of the verdict with it at what ease might corrupt minds procure knaves as corrupt to swear against you such things have been done you are prudently opposed and with a malice as of great size when you have better luck i mean in perjured witness than your master whose minister you are whiles here he lived upon this naughty earth go to go to you take a precipice for no leap of danger and woo your own destruction god and your majesty protect mine innocence or i fall into the trap is laid for me be of good cheer they shall no more prevail than we give way to keep comfort to you and this morning see you do appear before them if they shall chance in charging you with matters to commit you the best persuasions to the contrary fail not to use and with what vehemency the occasion shall instruct you if entreaties will render you no remedy this ring deliver them and your appeal to us there make before them look the good man weeps he's honest upon mine honour god's blessed mother i swear he is true-hearted and a soul none better in my kingdom get you gone and do as i bid you exit cranmer he has strangled his language in his tears enter old lady laval following within come back what mean you i'll not come back the tidings that i bring will make my boldness manners now good angels fly o'er thy royal head and shade thy person under their blessed wings now by thy looks i guess thy message is the queen delivered say i and of a boy eh eh my liege and of a lovely boy the god of heaven both now and ever bless her tis a girl promises boy hereafter sir your queen desires your visitation and to be acquainted with this stranger tis as like you as cherry is to cherry lovell sir give her a hundred marks i'll to the queen exit an hundred marks by this light i'll ha more an ordinary groom is for such payment i will have more or scold it out of him said i for this the girl was like to him i will have more or else unsay it, and now, while it is hot, I'll put it to the issue. Exeunt. Scene two, before the council chamber, Presuvians, pages, etc., attending. Enter Cranmer. I hope I am not too late, and yet the gentleman that was sent to me from the council prayed me to make great haste all fast what means this ho oh, who waits there sure you know me enter keeper yes my lord but yet i cannot help you why enter dr butts your grace must wait till you be called for so aside this is a piece of malice i am glad i came this way so happily the king shall understand it presently. Exit. Aside. Tis but the king's physician. As he passed along, how earnestly he cast his eyes upon me. Pray heaven he sound not my disgrace. 
for certain this is of purpose laid by some that hate me god turn their hearts i never sought their malice to quench mine honour they would shame to make me wait else at door a fellow-counsellor mong boys grooms and lackeys but their pleasures must be fulfilled and i attend with patience enter king henry the eighth and dr butts at a window above i'll show your grace the strangest sight what's that butts i think your highness saw this many a day body of me where is it there my lord the high promotion of his grace of canterbury who holds his state at door mongst pursuivants pages and footboys ah tis he indeed is this the honour they do one another tis well there's one above em yet i had thought they had parted so much honesty among em at least good manners as not thus to suffer a man of his place and so near our favour to dance attendance on their lordship's pleasures and the door too like a post with packets by holy mary butts there's knavery let him alone and draw the curtain close we shall hear more anon exeunt scene three the council chamber enter chancellor places himself at the upper end of the table on the left hand a seat being left and void above him as for cranmer's seat suffolk norfolk surrey chamberlain and gardiner seat themselves in order on each side cromwell at lower end as secretary keeper at the door speak to the business master secretary why are we met in council please your honours the chief cause concern his grace of canterbury has he had knowledge of it yes who waits there without my noble lords yes my lord archbishop and has done half an hour to know your pleasures let him come in your grace may enter now cranmer enters and approaches the council table my good lord archbishop i'm very sorry to sit here at this present and behold that chair stand empty but we all are men in our own natures frail and capable of our flesh few are angels out of which frailty and want of wisdom you that best should teach us have misdemeaned yourself and not a little toward the king first then his laws in filling the whole realm by your teaching and your chaplains for so we are informed with new opinions diverse and dangerous which are heresies and not reformed may prove pernicious which reformation must be sudden too my noble lords for those that tame wild horses pace em not in their hands to make em gentle but stop their mouths with stubborn bits and spur em till they obey the manage if we suffer out of our easiness and childish pity to one man's honour this contagious sickness farewell all physic and what follows then commotions uproars with the general taint of the whole state as of late days our neighbours the upper germany can dearly witness yet freshly pitied in our memories my good lords hitherto in all the progress both of my life and office i have laboured and with no little study that my teaching and the strong course of my authority might go one way and safely 
and the end was ever to do well nor is there living i speak it with a single heart my lords a man that more detests more stirs against both in his private conscience and his place defacers of a public peace than i do pray heaven the king may never find a heart with less allegiance in it men that make envy and crooked malice nourishment dare bite the best i do beseech your lordships that in this case of justice my accusers be what they will may stand forth face to face and freely urge against me nay my lord that cannot be you are a counsellor and by that virtue no man dare accuse you my lord because we have business of more moment we will be short with you tis his highness pleasure and our consent for better trial of you from hence ye be committed to the tower where being but a private man again you shall know many dare accuse you boldly more than i fear you are provided for ah my good lord of winchester i thank you you are always my good friend if your will pass i shall both find your lordship judge and juror you are so merciful i see your end tis my undoing love and meekness lord become a churchman better than ambition win straying souls with modesty again cast none away that i shall clear myself lay all the weight ye can upon my patience i make as little doubt as you do conscience in doing daily wrongs i could say more but reverence to your calling makes me modest my lord my lord you are a sectary that's the plain truth your painted gloss discovers to men that understand you words and weakness my lord of winchester you are a little by your good favour too sharp men so noble however faulty yet should find respect for what they have been tis a cruelty to load a falling man good master secretary i cry your honour mercy you may worst of all this table say so why my lord do not i know you for a favour of this new sect ye are not sound not sound not sound i say would you were half so honest men's prayers then would seek you not their fears i shall remember this bold language do remember your bold life too this is too much forbear for shame my lords i have done and i then thus for you my lord it stands agreed i take it by all voices that forthwith you be conveyed to the tower a prisoner there to remain till the king's further pleasure be known unto us are you all agreed lords we are is there no other way of mercy but i must needs to the tower my lords what other would you expect you are strangely troublesome let some of the guard be ready there enter guard for me must i go like a traitor thither receive him and see him safe in the tower stay good my lords i have a little yet to say 
look there my lords by virtue of that ring i take my cause out of the gripes of cruel men and give it to a most noble judge the king my master this is the king's ring tis no counterfeit tis the right ring by heaven i told ye all when ye first put this dangerous stone a-rolling twould fall upon ourselves do you think my lords the king will suffer by the little finger of this man to be vexed tis now too certain how much more is his life in value with him would i were fairly out on't my mind gave me in seeking tales and informations against this man whose honesty the devil and his disciples only envy at ye blew the fires that burn ye now have at ye enter king frowning on them takes his seat dread sovereign how much we are bound to heaven in daily thanks that gave us such a prince not only good and wise but most religious one that in all obedience makes the church the chief aim of his honour and to strengthen that holy duty out of dear respect his royal self in judgment comes to hear the cause betwixt her and this great offender you are ever good at sudden commendations bishop of winchester but no i come not to hear such flattery now and in my presence they are too thin and bare to hide offences to me you cannot reach you play the spaniel and think with wagging of your tongue to win me but whatsoever thou takest me for i'm sure thou hast a cruel nature and a bloody to cranmer good man sit down now let me see the proudest he that dares most but wag his finger at thee by all that's holy he had better starve than but once think this place becomes thee not may it please your grace no sir it does not please me i thought i had had men of some understanding and wisdom of my counsel but i find none was it discretion, lords, to let this man, this good man, few of you deserve that title, this honest man, wait like a lousy footboy at chamber door, and one as great as you are? Why, what a shame was this! Did my commission bid ye so far forget yourselves? I gave ye power as he was a counsellor to try him, not as a groom. The sum of ye, I see, more out of malice than integrity would try him to the utmost had ye mean which ye shall never have while i live thus far my most dread sovereign may it like your grace to let my tongue excuse all what was purposed concerning his imprisonment was rather if there be faith in men meant for his trial and fair purgation to the world than malice i'm sure in me well well my lords respect him take him and use him well he's worthy of it i will say thus much for him if a prince may be beholding to a subject i am for his love and service so to him make me no more ado but all embrace him be friends for shame my lords my lord of canterbury i have a suit which you must not deny me that is a fair young maid that yet wants baptism you must be godfather and answer for her the greatest monarch now alive may glory in such an honour how may i deserve it that i'm a poor and humble subject to you come come my lord you'd spare your spoons you shall have two noble partners with you 
the old Duchess of Norfolk and the Marquess Dorset. Will these please you? Once more, my Lord of Winchester, I charge you, embrace and love this man. With a true heart and brother love I do it. And let heaven witness how dear I hold this confirmation. Good man, those joyful tears show thy true heart. The common voice I see is verified of thee, which says thus, Do my lord of Canterbury a shrewd turn, and he is your friend for ever. Come, lords, we trifle time away. I long to have this young one made a Christian. As I have made ye one, lords, one remain. So I grow stronger, you more honour gain. Exeunt. Scene four, the palace yard. Noise and tumult within. Enter Porter and his man. You leave your noise alone, you rascals. Do you take the court for Paris Garden? Ye rude slaves, leave your gaping. Within. Good master Porter, I belong to the larder. Belong to the gallows and be hanged, ye rogue. Is this a place to roar in? Fetch me a dozen crabtree staves and strongens. These are but switches to em. I'll scratch your heads. You must be seeing christenings. Do you look for ale and cakes here, you rude rascals? Pray, sir, be patient. Tis as much impossible, unless we sweep em from the door with cannons, to scatter em, as tis to make em sleep on May Day morning, which will never be. We may as well push against Powell's as stir em. Ill got they in, and be hanged. Alas, I know not. How gets the tide in? As much as one sound cudgel of four foot. You see the poor remainder. Could distribute. I make no spare, sir. You did nothing, sir. I am not Samson, nor Sir Guy, nor Colbrant, to mow em down before me. But if I spared any that had a head to hit, either young or old, he or she, cuckold or cuckold maker, let me ne'er hope to see a chine again, and that I would not for a cow. God save her. Within. Do you hear, Master Porter? I shall be with you presently, good Master Puppy. Keep the door closed, sirrah. What would you have me do? What should you do but knock em down by the dozens? Is this more fields to muster in, or have we some strange Indian with a great tool come to court, the women so besiege us? Bless me, what a fry of fornication is at door! On my Christian conscience, this one christening will beget a thousand. Here will be mother, godfather, and all together. The spoons will be the bigger, sir. There is a fellow somewhat near the door. He should be a brazier by his face. For, O oh my conscience, twenty of the dog days now reign in snows. All that stand about him are under the line. They need no other penance. That fire-drake did I hit three times on the head, and three times was his nose discharged against me. He stands there like a mortar-piece, to blow us. There was a haberdasher's wife of small wit near him, that railed upon me till her pink porringer fell off her head, for kindling such a combustion in the state. I missed the meteor once, and hit that woman, who cried out clubs, when I might see from far some forty truncheoners draw to her succor which were the hope of the strand, where she was quartered. They fell on, I made good my place, at length they came to the broomstaff to me, I defied him still, when suddenly a file of boys behind him, loose shot, 
delivered such a shower of pebbles that I was fain to draw mine honour in, and let him win the work. The devil was amongst them, I think, surely. These are the ewes that thunder at a playhouse, and fight for bitten apples, that no audience but the tribulation of Tower Hill, or the limbs of Limehouse, their dear brothers, are able to endure. I have some of them in Limbo Partrum, and there they are like to dance these three days, besides the running banquet of two beetles that is to come. Enter Chamberlain. Mercy o' me, what a multitude are here! They grow still, too, from all parts they are coming, as if we kept a fair here. Where are these porters, these lazy knaves? You have made a fine hand, fellows. There's a trim rabble let in. Are all these your faithful friends of the suburbs? We shall have great store of room, no doubt, left for the ladies when they pass back from the christening. And please your honour, we are but men, and what so many may do, not being torn to pieces, we have done. An army cannot rule em. As I live, if the king blame me for it, I'll lay ye all by the heels, and suddenly, and on your heads clap round fines for neglect. Ye are lazy knaves, and here ye lie baiting of bombards, when ye should do service. Hark, the trumpets sound, they're come already from the christening. Go, break among the press, and find a way out to let the troop pass fairly, or I'll find a marshalsea shall hold ye play these two months. Make way there for the princess! You great fellow, stand close up, or I'll make your head ache. You in the camlet, get up o'er a rail. I'll pick you all the pails else. Exeunt. Scene five. The palace. Enter trumpets sounding. Then two aldermen, Lord Mayor, Garter, Cranmer, Norfolk with his marshal's staff, Suffolk, two noblemen bearing great standing bowls for the christening gifts then four noblemen bearing a canopy, under which the Duchess of Norfolk, godmother, bearing the child richly habited in a mantle, etc., train borne by a lady. Then follows the Marchioness Dorset, the other godmother and ladies. The troop pass once about the stage, and Garter speaks. Heaven, from thy endless goodness, send prosperous life, long and ever happy, to the high and mighty Princess of England, Elizabeth. Flourish. Enter King Henry the Eighth and guard. Kneeling. And to your royal grace and the good queen, my noble partners and myself thus pray. All comfort, joy, in this most gracious lady, heaven ever laid up to make parents happy, may hourly fall upon ye. Thank you, good Lord Archbishop. What is her name? Elizabeth. Stand up, Lord. King Henry the Eighth kisses the child. With this kiss take my blessing. God protect thee, into whose hand I give thy life. Amen. My noble gossips, ye have been too prodigal. I thank ye heartily. So shall this lady, when she has so much English. Let me speak, sir, for heaven now bids me and the words I utter let none think flattery, for they'll find em truth. This royal infant, heaven still move about her, though in her cradle, yet now promises upon this land a thousand thousand blessings, which time shall bring to ripeness. 
she shall be but few now living can behold that goodness a pattern to all princes living with her and all that shall succeed saba was never more covetous of wisdom and fair virtue than this pure soul shall be all princely graces that mould up such a mighty peace as this is with all the virtues that attend the good shall still be doubled on her truth shall nurse her holy and heavenly thoughts still counsel her she shall be loved and feared her own shall bless her her foes shake like a field of beaten corn and hang their heads with sorrow good grows with her in her days every man shall eat in safety under his own vine what he plants and sing the merry songs of peace to all his neighbours god shall be truly known and those about her from her shall read the perfect ways of honour and by those claim their greatness not by blood nor shall this peace sleep with her but as when the bird of wonder dies the maiden phoenix her ashes new create another heir as great in admiration as herself so shall she leave her blessedness to one when heaven shall call her from this cloud of darkness who from the sacred ashes of her honour shall star-like rise as great in fame as she was and so stand fixed peace plenty love truth terror that were the servants to this chosen infant shall then be his and like a vine grow to him wherever the bright sun of heaven shall shine his honour and the greatness of his name shall be and make new nations he shall flourish and like a mountain cedar reach his branches to all the plains about him our children's children shall see this and bless heaven thou speakest wonders she shall be to the happiness of england an aged princess many days shall see her and yet no day without a deed to crown it would i had known no more but she must die she must the saints must have her yet a virgin a most unspotted lily shall she pass to the ground and all the world shall mourn her o lord archbishop thou hast made me now a man never before this happy child did i get anything this oracle of comfort has so pleased me that when i am in heaven i shall desire to see what this child does and praise my maker I thank ye all, to you, my good Lord Mayor, and your good brethren, I am much beholding. I have received much honour by your presence, and ye shall find me thankful. Lead the way, lords. Ye must all see the Queen, and she must thank ye. She will be sick else. This day no man think has business at his house, for all shall stay. 
this little one shall make it holiday. Exunt. Apologue. Tis ten to one this play can never please all that are here. Some come to take their ease and sleep an act or two. But those we fear we have frighted with our trumpets, so tis clear they'll say tis naught. Others to hear the city abused extremely, and to cry, that's witty, which we have not done neither. That, I fear, all the expected good we're like to hear for this play at this time is only in the merciful construction of good women, for such a one we showed em. If they smile and say twill do, I know within a while all the best men are ours, for tis ill hap if they hold when their ladies bid em clap. End of Act 5 End of Henry the Eighth by William Shakespeare